Oh my god, Mix... it's an actual puppy? Yeah, I mean, they're like, like two 10 brand weeks, new puppies. 10 weeks old. Like, oh my goodness, can we get a there's... closer shot of them? Here, hold on. I love puppies. Forget about podcasting, we're just gonna look at the puppies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Puppy, like. What? Oh my god, it's a doggy's tushy. Hi, doggy. <laughs> Here we are at the Friday Night Movie Podcast. I'm joined by my brother, Shy and my sister, Lily, who are on the t- same time zone today. In the same room. In the, In same, the same room. room. Okay, stop showing off. Um, <laughs> and we have a very special guest that we will introduce in a moment, uh, Shauna Hagen, renowned DP, director of photography, is here. But before we introduce her fully, Shy, Lily, how are you doing? We are having a super time. We just got back from shopping at the supermarket, getting some essential items for my diet, which include five cases of diet root beer and six pints of enlightened ice cream. And this is this weekend has been the official ki- kickoff of the nonstop campaign for me to get enlightened to sponsor our podcast. For the, they have a movie night flavor, and so I keep. I keep at mentioning them, and I keep putting up um, Instagram stories of me with the ice cream. And so I I started getting responses from the people that work there, mostly just saying, wow, you really love our ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyone who's listening, just get out that little Twitter or Instagram and start at mentioning Enlightened and say, movie night should sponsor Friday Night Movie. And again, they don't need to give us money. They they could. I'll take a coupon. Officially, be so you're just looking for discount codes. All right, um, Lily, how are you doing? I'm amazing. I'm on a U.S. tour. Um, started out in Philly, uh, visiting now in Washington or Arlington, Virginia, and just uh, having a grand old time with the fam. It's great. And um, I'll also add that I have been. I've been doing the holiday party circuit, the circuit. I don't know if the circuit is the right word, but I did get to go to the all-star. You went to two parties. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> and one of them was one of them was my work. Okay. So the other one I went to was I went out to the Ashburn Pub in Ashburn, Virginia, at, to the all-star Comic-Con holiday party, where I got to hang with Kevin and Mike and Ming Chen of Comic Book Men and met a whole whole bunch of awesome new friends. Uh, uh, Lucas and Nichelle and Andy and Tony from the Take Two podcast. And it was wonderful getting to know everybody as we march our way to June in the co- and our, appear- our appearance, our table, let's be clear, we're not at appearing yet, at the All-Star Comic Con. Like every and, episode of our podcast is going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Like, we're the stars of the, We're invited by Comic Con. We'll be the keynote speakers the of the All Star In the parking lot, we will be keynote speakers. But truthfully, they put out, they, they did a fundraiser. They used their holiday party to do a, fun, awesome. a Star Wars fundraiser for a Boy Scout troop. And they gave away all this amazing Star Wars memorabilia. You know, the kind of stuff I collect original art, sculptures. It was people, the artists were there signing things. And then they ran out. Of, they finished their prizes. They gave away caps tickets, and at the end, there was one last prize. It was a giant four-person Captain Morgan sweater, like Christmas sweater, that four people would fit in and stick their arms in. And I won. And then did something called a shot ski. Have you ever heard of a shot ski? It's when they no. bring a ski out with shots in it, and you and four, three other people drink together in a giant sweater. And so I got to win this giant sweater, which is now in my house. Okay, so you went to one party, but it felt like you went to five parties. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot it was, of action. It was, it was an amazing party. They're great guys. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, not to rush <laughs> things, Shy, but I'm very excited to introduce Shauna. Shauna um, and I met working together on a film project. I'm so lucky to have had the chance to work with her. She has been in the business for... You're going to have to fact check me in a moment, but I'm going to say 30 years or so. She has had 
at least 20 films at Sundance. Her films that she shot have won Oscars and Emmys. She has done everything from feature documentaries to some of the most groundbreaking, a little mockumentary work in there, yes. Some groundbreaking nonfiction TV. She's worked on some of our personal favorite television shows of like all time. Parks and Rec, Arrested Development, you know, she shot on Survivor, um, and then her, her, you know, let's say last year alone, I know that she had four different films in Sundance. She shot a bit on uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary. She, yeah, she, but, but, and that's just like, oh, that's just like my, like a little bit of a side hustle. Like, oh, I'm just going to pick up a little bit of work on that. Um, She's going to, she can, she can tell us better which current films are, um, are out because I have no doubt you have films that are out this year. It's hard to keep track. But uh, without further ado, welcome, Shauna, to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. I really want to know what Shy's going to do with that sweater now. <laughs> well, I saw one of his kids, his littlest kid, and Shy's kids are very little. They're like very <laughs> tiny humans. And the littlest one was trapped inside of it, running across the living room. <laughs> She may still that's, be inside. <laughs> that's fun for days. I mean, that yeah. could, you know, that could be a family tradition from here on out. You know, you don't need a babysitter; just stick in the sweater. <laughs> Wait till they escape. That's hilarious. That's funny. Sweater no, I'm so, yeah, super happy to be here. It's it's you know it's it's fun to um, to. Uh, it's fun to get to talk, you know, often I don't get to talk about my work or what I do. Um, it's, you know, being a cinematographer, it's sort of like you, you end up sort of being behind the scenes a lot. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not often that you get to talk to people uh, about what you do and why. And so I, you know, I love what I do. I, I, you know, I, I think it's, I'm really lucky to have, um, kind of found something early on. I, I was a photographer, you know, uh, sort of amateur photographer. I had an uncle that gave me a camera, you know, I was in grade school and just kind of got bitten by the photography bug. And then, uh, in high school, I was involved with theater where I was doing a little bit of lighting and sort of the natural combination of my interest in photography and interested in lighting sort of was like, Oh, there's like, there's film school. There's people who shoot like films. And I was like, ah, let's, let's try film school. So I went to film school and kind Ooh, of was which, like which film school you know, not that i went to, i went to loyola marymount here in los angeles i oh, grew up cool. in phoenix so it needed to be someplace close but not super far away so um but uh yeah so i went to film school and i don't even know what your question was becky what was your we just, just want to see just like how you doing <laughs> i think it was how are you that was how are you? but this yeah. is a but, great but answer I, but this was all of it i said how are you and 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 one of my first question is actually you're already answering which is how do you even become a director what does it mean to be a director of photography for people that are listening and don't know and then how do you get to become one i'm like right. it's fake asking that question because she went to film school right so she knows <laughs> i'm definitely not a director of photography yeah, and well, still in, in a moment in a moment shauna the dummies will start asking questions over right. here i just appreciate becky being like so what is it because that's like a good interview skill because like you know i know you know because like you studied it but like for everybody else it's great that you right. explain well sure well so a, a dp director of photography or also sometimes i like to use the word um cinematographer um because it sort of slightly more encompasses encompasses what i you know it's also more of what fancy yeah cinematographer it's easier than like director of photography can mean a number of things but mm-hmm. What I do in the documentary world are, is, is cinematography, and so basically that means, um, you know, I have a, I have the camera. I'm responsible for the visuals of a of a film. So a director will come to me, a producer director will come to me, with an idea or a concept or a story, a set of characters, what have you, and then I'm the one responsible for visualizing that story, um, physically using the camera. So. You know, that means a number of things where it's actually physically on my shoulder. I also develop maybe a lighting style for interviews and how the camera moves and the choices we make. If is it handheld? Is it, you know, on tripod? There's sort of a lot of different aesthetics you could use to kind of help tell that story. But really, all of those are under my kind of under the it's what I do. So I I, visualize, uh, you know, the story. So does a director then come to you and say something like, I want it to look like X, and then your job is to do the mental gymnastics and logistics and the and and the artistic planning to actually make it come out to look that way. 
Yeah. Oftentimes, oftentimes, yes. Uh, other times in a documentary, uh, uh, the style kind of develops as we start shooting the story. And so oftentimes you walk into a, a scene or a story or some event and you don't really know kind of how you're going to shoot it, but you just kind of have to really vibe it out. Um, but only after having lengthy conversations with the director producer about what, what we're doing. I mean, uh, you know, a, a piece um, I want to say like, you know, you know, we always start with like who who our audience is. You know, is it an industrial or is it a commercial? Or are you trying to sell you know cars? Or you're trying to um, tell a story about a young girl uh, who's struggling in high school? And now you know the last project to work with Becky on was about a school for Native American um, uh, teenagers in Minneapolis. So like, is that and who's going to watch that? Who's going to see it? So kind of trying to figure out who your audience is. You can kind of go backwards from there about how are you going to shoot it? Logistics of, yeah, all the nuts and bolts about how you're going to do it, but also aesthetically kind of what how you want to tell the story. And also a lot of the, those aesthetics come down to how much time you have with a subject, how much money you have for camera gear, all that stuff kind of, um, get, you know, comes into making those decisions about about a aesthetics but um they're yeah definitely twofold like if you're in a on a commercial i'm hired sometimes when uh, long after a lot of those conversations have taken place and like this is how we're going to do it this is the camera we're going to use this is the aesthetic we want go and do it and then you have to adapt um you know and, and just do exactly what they want which is which is one way to do it another way certainly is in a documentary which i kind of like i almost like a um, you know, I, I, I like in documentary filmmaking to maybe jazz, kind of the improvisational um, aspect of jazz and that a lot of people come together with a certain skill set and then you kind of make it work. You kind of you you rely on each other to kind of uh, bring you through. Uh, you know, somebody's got the melody. Somebody's got the, you know. So can, uh, I, te- can I tease out the jazz? Um, I'm a musician, but I can't play jazz at all. But <laughs> if I could tease out the, the whole notion of jazz and improvisation in film, which I never even really thought of. What I, I understand having the camera on your shoulder and making decisions in that moment. Right. What what are those things that are the melody that, that the other folks that are playing or the bass line that other folks are playing? Is it the lighting guy? Is it the boom microphone guy? Who are those other instruments? Who are when, you jamming with, if you will? Exactly. Who am I jamming yeah, with? And, how, <laughs> and how, how does that jam play out? Absolutely. No, I find that like I'm I'm kind of trying to find the melody and what I think the melody to me is story. So like what in the scene and the chaos of some scene of like there's a lot of stuff going on. But ultimately, what is the story? Whose story are we telling? How are we telling it? What what is the um, what is the, what is the story of a particular scene? You know, I, I worked with Michael Apt at a fair amount. I, I often don't name drop, but I'm working with him in two weeks on another film, um, the Up Please series. Please name the, drop the, on this podcast. My, Michael Apt did. You know, <laughs> um, he's a you know the, one of the most uh, respected documentary filmmakers. Also incredibly prolific. He does features. He does um, you know he's done the Bond movie. He, but his, he's really well known for his documentary work. And um, you know, so he's doing 63 Up. It's part of his Up series um, where he's followed the same. Um, group of people ever since they were seven like the first I, I studied this before. when I was in school by the way this is like in film school you study this Lily actually right. I think Miriam taught me I studied this multiple times in school one of the times with a professor that we are still close with but yes this is so, a like really important series it, yeah it's an amazing series 63 up is is being shot now and i shot a little bit they've shot a lot in the uk and i shoot the u.s sections of those and we're doing another couple days coming up but why i mentioned him is that i appreciate working with michael because he can tell me not only the the individual story beat of the scene we're actually shooting like i call it the micro and the macro so like getting the the, the micro getting the, the the details about like what we're shooting and then also the macro meaning where will this scene kind of play out in the larger film so that kind of those kinds of details um but getting back to jazz certainly i mean there's there's a lot of improvisation with not only the director and the producer but also mostly with subjects mostly with like kind of um there's a little bit of sound you know there's there's this dance that the sound mixer and i do that he or she like kind of has his or her own way of kind of um, dancing around a subject or just being able to kind of be a fly on the wall. But I think with me, I, I'm, I'm sort of dancing or improving in a jazz reference, using the jazz reference with the subjects, you know, kind of there's a trust that's developed, you know, even after a few hours with a subject or even just it, it happens sometimes instantaneously. But oftentimes it takes maybe a few hours or a few days. We'll talk maybe a little bit later about Shakespeare Behind Bars and how that trust uh, eventually, you know, came in, in many um, beautiful ways. And, and it sort of manifests in the film and the footage that you see um but that jazz thing that improvisation of like not really knowing what's happening and not really know how it's going to happen but just being there and being present and also being participating it's sort of a there's a a, a sort of 
uh, joy in participating, um, documenting an event uh, or a, a story point, um, and just being there and kind of being the fly on the wall. I feel like I'm babbling like a, a lot, but I, I maybe I'm making sense in a way that I, I feel like when I am in the in the zone with like my documentary observational verite footage. Uh, with a, a story that I don't know much about, or I'm just learning as I'm as I'm kind of exploring it, you know, all that sort of um, stuff that I'm improving and kind of vibing off what's happening and who's saying stuff and what they're feeling underneath and what I'm feeling. I use a lot of emotional response in my work. So, like if I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling a little anxious about what's going on in the room, I try to visualize that. So if somebody's really nervous and like, you know, we were shooting, you know, uh, uh, with Becky again on this classroom of kids, you know, and somebody was really nervous and we knew that ahead of time that she was really having a, a hard time. So I was, you know, she was doing something, you know, fidgeting with her finger. And so I was like, ah, oh, maybe that, that again is like one little detail that I try to capture that can visualize her sort of internal struggle. But all of this is kind of this ongoing kind of free form kind of it's an interesting meditation when i go in and work it's 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 like you you kind of have to be completely present like a thousand percent present not only like you know uh logist like just you know you're, you're worried about the camera and all this stuff but then you're, you're constantly being there and, and being 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 present and sort of feeling the scene too so i don't know that's that's i guess so, why i like so, it to jazz and that you sort of have to you have to kind of feel it and kind of respond to the subjects to the no, no, I was just going to say, so like your phone is on silent is what you're saying. And when I mean that, like even like metaphorically, like you are, so absolutely. you were there. Okay. So, so the then moment. which, absolutely. so you do all this work, but then it gets handed off. It gets handed off to a director and an editor. Can, what are some examples of films that you've shot where you feel like that in, that meditation, that that detail, all that that you are capturing is represented really well on screen when these observational scenes are cut. Like, what to to our listeners and to us, which films should we watch to really get? And I already know one of them because we we watched it last night. But right. you know, which we'll right. talk about. But right. Well, I really, I think for me, one of my favorite films and my favorite experiences has been Shakespeare Behind Bars. And that was like, you know, the idea that I actually didn't even know the editor and I met him at Sundance. I, I, I unknowingly sat next to him in the premiere at Sundance. And then when they introduced us at the end, um, you know, I stood up, uh, you know, because I was introduced and I stood up and was going. And then um, and then uh, uh, Victor Livingston, the editor, also, you know, they said, oh, Victor. And he stood up and I literally we were sitting next to each other and we immediately hugged each other. Because we were like, I, you know, I talked to him on the phone a couple times, but, you know, we, we both didn't talk to each other. We were, I, I don't know why we did, hadn't met before, but, but we literally hugged each other because he was grateful for my footage, but I was also grateful to him to cut it in a way that the way that I shot it, you know, and the way that I had intended it to be, to be, to be edited. And he caught all of my sort of these intimate moments with the, with the, with the prisoners that Shakespeare Behind Bars is a, a film about a group of inmates at a prison in Kentucky that do Shakespeare. And the year we followed them, we feel, we filmed them for about a week, a month for about a year um kind of uh, tracking the progress of this production of this play um they do a you know a, a shakespeare play they did the tempest the year we were there which is a fantastic you know play to do it's set on an island there's a lot of you know prison references and metaphors of forgiveness and forgiveness and redemption are kind of the main themes and you know it was perfect per, for the film but but i enjoy like to becky's point i i think there is a, a sense of um you know a, a little bit of dread and worry that and you know if my footage you know i've spent so much time and energy and and effort and and I, I take such pride in shooting this and then it goes into the hands of somebody who you know may or may not kind of get it or want to do something else with the footage but for the most part I'd say the projects that I've worked on that are that intense and that observational, most of the time the editor sort of gets it right in a way. And and sometimes even surprisingly um, may make it into something even better than what I was expecting. So there's, there's a, a bonus there that, you know, takes a scene or two and then puts it, um, juxtaposes it. I can tell you a story later about Shakespeare of Mind Bars about shooting stuff that I had no idea that was going to intercut together. And it, it was, it's magical how it, how well it comes together. I have so many. I have so many questions about Shakespeare Behind Bars. Before yeah. I dive into any specific questions about that film, Shy Lily, do you have any other questions about other type stuff? of work that she does or well, other stuff? I, I, I actually have a question about light. 
So we watched your, uh, is it technically a short, the, the, the eight minute piece on James Terrell mm-hmm. on the, on the art installation at the, is it an installation at the Whitney? I, I admit like I'm such you know, a, Lacma. One, what? Lacma, but he had, he sh- there was, he mentioned, oh, sorry. The oh, Whitney. they met, the mentioned Whitney. the Whitney. You gotta, you gotta appreciate <laughs> that. Like I am the gutter palette of art of the family. <laughs> Halfway through it. I was like, Lily, I was like, Lily. Is this? A, he was like, "Wow, this is really interesting about like astronomy and like light." <laughs> and then and Lily's like, like, "But these are art pieces. These are it's an installation." And he's an artist. I was like, "That makes so much more sense." <laughs> <laughs> so, so as I'm as I'm watching this, and he's talking about light, I, I very much noticed the way you must have as the director of photography used light, particularly in the interviews of his face. The way there's this. Shadow. He almost looks like he's in a in a graphic novel, at least to me. I don't. There's probably some technical term for this. What goes into making that type of decision? And if you could speak specifically about that particular short, we'll put the links to this in our show notes. Sure. Sure. Um, but also in general, how you make that decision because it, it was striking how beautiful the way mm. his face uh, sits in the dark and the light while he's talking about light. Right. And the angles, the angle of that, I, I really enjoyed, like, because he's, you know, when he sits and he says you could touch the light. I mean, it's just it, it worked out. That's the those are the kinds of moments that are magic and you don't really script them. You we went in. Um, so Jessica, you is a director on that film. And Jessica and I have worked with uh, worked together for probably close to 25 years. Um, we shot a film, uh, her film, Breathing Lessons, actually won the Oscar in 1996. Um, uh uh, it was a documentary short about a guy who lives in an iron lung. He's pretty amazing. Um, the James Terrell piece was a commission for LACMA, um, and it, it was basically us documenting Rodin Crater, which is his um, Mr. Terrell's life's work, uh, you know, self-proclaimed life's work. Um, and we had about two and a half hours with him interview. You know, his his commitment to us was a, a couple of hours, but he enjoyed talking to her and going through the process so much that he stayed an extra half an hour. Um, but we knew we wanted to have a very striking lighting design with that. And we also had two cameras. So um, and it turned out that that front camera was was lovely. And we kind of wanted to shoot it as if it were, um, you know, we actually shot color and she decided to go black and white later because the the um, it actually worked really well. Um, so she, she pulled the color in post, so it ended up being black and white, um, and then sort of slightly more contrasty than maybe we shot it. But, but that second angle, we, we really sort of dialed that in to be very, um, complimentary to him. And also like, um, you know, we, uh, we knew that we wanted sort of the dark side. Sometimes we talk about in interview lighting, we talk about the dark side and shooting the dark side. And there's something about how light hits a, hits, hits a person's face that allows you to, and we wanted to be tight enough on that angle to allow you to study his face and his mannerisms and kind of really get in there with him. I mean, oftentimes I find in interviews, um, you know, some filmmakers are, you know, they want really, really wide, um, you know, or sort of a medium noncommittal shot for me. And, and Jessica and I talked about this, that we wanted to get in there. We wanted to get a little tighter. So, you know, and actually, you know, not super tight, but tight enough where you could feel and feel like you're really having a, a, a intimate conversation with Mr. Terrell. So, um, that was the idea with that second angle and it turned out in the edit that it, it was much more powerful than we even had had sort of even seen on set that um the front angle i think they cut to it maybe once or twice but that side angle was just it's just unique and lovely and the way he sort of again was using his hands and it's just it's a very intimate moment so we we um it sort of succeeded much um much more much uh, much better than we even thought um at the time but um but knowing that you know we only had a couple of hours we definitely wanted to have you know it's 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 a, a documented it's it was actually one of the most I- I- exciting and informative and inspirational interviews that i've ever shot you know i've i've shot interviews with uh celebrities and regular people and you know, uh, Holocaust survivors and people who have incredible stories. And for some reason, his ideas about light and the emotion behind light and feeling, and uh, it just was like right up my alley as a cinematographer, you know, I, again, I'm shooting and I'm, I'm relying on light to be able to help me tell the story emotionally, you know? So I'm, I'm, uh, I was very clued into that interview. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, but yes, that, that was a very intentional kind of composition as well as the lighting design. Um, and that was something that Jessica and I talked about from the get go. And it was certainly was, it took us about four hours to kind of set that up because we were shooting at Roden Crater um, in, a, in, a, in an area, in a um, like conference area that he had built into the side of the, the crater. Wow. And he loves he loves light. And so basically there were like three windows, floor to ceiling, three, 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 sorry, three 
sides of floor to ceiling windows that we had to black out and create like this sort of a black room because otherwise we, we needed to be able to control the light. So, um, you know, and of all people, James understood the extra time we needed. But um, but uh, in any case, uh, you know, wasn't waiting for four hours. But I mean, we we did uh, we did a great setup and I, I feel like it worked really well. So I'm glad you responded to that because I think it is it's really interesting. Um, so in contrast to that, we have it was awesome. The yeah, feature thanks. that we watch Shakespeare Behind Bars, which you were talking about before, where you don't didn't seem in that film like you had the luxury to do long setups and stylized interviews it's a lot like you're on the go you're standing with a guy in his cell you're in a hallway you have you're catching moments here and there where i imagine that's where you're doing more of your jazz work <laughs> right exactly yeah i mean we we uh a couple couple different things on shakespeare you know they um they didn't allow us to bring any uh, any lights in, anything electrical. We couldn't plug anything in. Um, most of the outlets in the place were in uh, interior of the guard shacks, and it, that was getting in and out of those shacks and the and the towers were, was very ch- challenging. Even though we had you know a guard with us every you know twenty four seven whenever we were there, it just I was would, like something. I mean, I would hope so, right? Yeah, I mean, but it was, it was a medium security prison, you know, the first I, couple what, times. That was one of the questions. I mean, when we when we were, we, Shai and I watched it together, and I was like, I'm assuming, I mean, Becky, you've shot in prisons as well, and, and I, I, I have not. And I was, Shai and I were watching, and I was like, I'm assuming this is not maximum security, but I don't know. And no, you're and not, I wonder you're how not that the security allowed. influences the like your your work you know in that sure. in that sense and so you know like you, i assume you can't do whatever you want or how much you would like to do absolutely no we couldn't we had to you know there were t- many times that early on we had to leave like at three o'clock because the count was at a certain time and then from count they ended up going to dinner and that was just like a security thing they didn't want us so we shot from like eight to three which was not a great long day but right. a- as the months progressed they realized that we were allowed to shoot a little bit longer and we would actually be able to stay inside the inside the cell block during count, which was really interesting. So, you know, they'd lock the doors and we were in there. And so, um, you know, wow, that's pretty intense. intense. And, you know, yes, it's a medium security prison, but it is a, it's a prison. It's a state prison. You know, these guys are, 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 you know, one guy was, a was in for, uh, for double murder, you know, another guy was, uh, you know, I mean, they're horrific crimes and they are criminals and they are, you know, um, so th- you know, there was a certain but, sense of that, but anyway, so, getting back to like, no light, oh. we, the totally, <laughs> I got a question on that. We we have a question we've been talking about since last night on working with criminals. So when you're finished with light, we're ready. (laughs) Well, no, I was just saying that like that was a really interesting uh, situation because we knew we weren't going to be able to bring in any lights. But I knew that we also wanted to document the prison in its in its like ugly sodium vapor like the, there's range from like the ugly sodium vapor in the gym to like mm. the natural the beautiful natural light coming through the cell bars you know or the the windows in, in each individual cell so to be to like not like just to shoot it as it is it, it, to be as authentic in that situation as possible like not bringing any lights not trying to like make it beautiful more beautiful but using the existing light and to help tell that story that was a great example of just being able to just use natural light to just tell this most authentic story and again, there were like scenes where even our color, our color timer was like, hey, this is kind of ugly. Do you want me to? Because there was a, mm-hmm. a shot maybe from one side to another, like it, it panned from like a window into the cell. And there was like a little bit of an orange vapor, you know, murky vapor kind of. And I was he's like, I can color time that out. It's like, no, 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 this is this is real. We wanted to kind of have the real kind of look so, at it because it so makes it more authentic. So I, anyway, have a, we, I have a question in that opening shot of the prison yard. It almost mm-hmm. felt like you could see the heat. Like it was almost like it was distorting the the image a little bit. Maybe that's just the television we were watching on. Yeah. But 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 is that what you're talking about, where it's you can kind so of see the heat vapors? Like, uh, I'm talking about mercury vapor. Like actually, it's a color. It's a it's like the street like a street light orange. Mercury uh. mercury vapor is the is the kind of uh, light that light source that it is. Um, so that. Uh, like in the gym, if you remember, like, have you ever been like outside at night? You have these like really ugly, they're either really green or really orange lights. You probably, mm-hmm. but, uh, my, my point was basically just, we, we didn't want to fuck with the, uh, pardon, or we, no, 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 no. We're, we're an explicit you podcast. We didn't, we didn't, go. we didn't want to fuck with the lighting because it was like, if it's ugly, it's ugly, you know, and that tells right. you're not there to like, beautify it. You're there to tell the truth. Right. Exactly. So like in part of that truth is the fact that the lighting is really ugly or the, or the, the well, fluorescence are really ugly. I, so I would imagine there's a time and place for everything, because if you're a type of ten, cinematographer where your style is very clean and you have 
very specific visions for everything, this is probably not for you. No. Because no. Yeah. you need to embrace the setting and the aesthetics of a, of a certain scene. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's what I think some, one of my skill sets, certainly, and I, one of the things I love to uh, speaking of jazz and speaking of sort of improving is just making the best with what you're given, you know, making the best of the, of the sort of ugly fluorescence, or maybe we turn those overheads off and use the daylight, you know, um, just coming through the window, like we did in Hal's interview. I remember, I don't think we actually had access to those lights, but for some reason that day, those lights overheads were off and we're like, wow, this is so much better. Um, you know, so maybe after a certain time or, you know, anyway, we, we timed our interview to be like so the overheads would would already be off so we would be able to use the light from 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 the from the from the windows but you just kind of yeah you make the best with what you're given and also if there's again an ugly situation or whatever you sort of make it you know you, you take great advantage of it and just like becky said sort of speaking to truth i mean you're you're not you're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. You're, you're just, this is prison. You know, it gets, it's ugly. You know, there are a lot of places that are not, you know, not super attractive, but anyway, sorry. So Shai, I wonder if, if the three of us all have the same question. Um, do you want to, do you want to ask, you said you, you and Lily have had a question. So we've been asking this question to each other since last night, which is your, your work, you're working with folks for which the film immediately makes you warm to actually like I but there's this thing in the back of your mind while you're watching it being like so what do these guys do and are they going to tell us about it and it almost felt like that unfolded over time and and I wonder how you feel being in a situation where you're telling this beautiful story but you're also your subjects are are people who are there for a reason. How, how do you reconcile that? How do you? Or yeah, that's similar. I was I have a similar question just to add on to it is when you find when you eventually do find out what their crimes were, or maybe even without finding out, how do you film them in a non-judgmental way? How do you right. engage in a non-judgmental right. way so you right. can present? the most honest work possible. Right, right. I think that um, that uh, that's a really good question and something that the filmmakers and I had talked about even before we went. You know, um, the filmmakers Hank Rogerson and Jillian Spitzmiller, I'd worked with them on a film called Homeland. We, fo- we followed a group of, well, not... Um, four families on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota um, over a period of three years. And that was kind of a, um, you know, Shakespeare seemed to be relatively easy compared to, you know, our, our time, on, time on the reservation because it's imagine. so, so depressing and so, but also so joyful, you know, to be able to um, be witness to and have the honor of telling um, Native stories, uh, you know, of people trying to, you know, uh, trying to live, they've lived their lives like everybody else, you know, just wanting to to, um, you know, to have a nice life and have a great, you know, better, better life for their children. Um, and when Shakespeare came along, we, we really talked about that, about how, you know, cause everybody kind of comes into any job with some kind of preconceived notions about what they think a prisoner is or what they, sh- you know, what prison should be or what, you know, whatever. But we talked about maybe just seeing these guys as, as actors, you know, we really said these guys, mm-hmm. yes, they're prisoners. Yes. They're in prison. Yes. They're criminals. Yes. They did something, but we really wanted to see them as actors. And then from the get go, even, even before we started shooting, we actually met with them twice. We, we went and, and saw, um, them rehearse. They work with an, a non-inmate director, this guy, Kurt Toftland, who's amazing and incredible, um, and had been with the program for 10, 10 plus years before we, before we shot. So he, they, he'd established a rapport, rapport with them. So we were vetted by him and he brought us in and we, you know, he was suggesting that we, and it was to great, our great benefit to go and meet the guys without the cameras. So two or three times, I think we went and, and, um, you know, they, they, yeah. they were able to ask us questions. We asked them questions. It was kind of like, and we really saw them as actors. We wanted to know instead of, instead of like, what did you do? It was more like, what was your, what is your process? You know, um, you know, how do you guys rehearse? Do you rehearse on the yard? Do you, you know, and how, how challenging is this for you and how long have you been doing it and where are you from and all this stuff. So the, the kind of niceties about, um, uh, you know, all that stuff is kind of was got out of the way. And then I think they understood what we wanted to do. 
too. Also, you know, Hank and Jillian had presented them with some ideas and, they, you know, they were able to voice concerns and all that stuff. So that was really great to do that without the cameras. But once we started rolling, there was definitely, you know, a, a sense that you, you, you know, these guys are prisoners. I mean, that one of the other things, sorry, that I, I was going to mention was Hank and Jillian and I always wanted to never really ask them about their crimes. You know, that was kind of something you talked to, you know, we, we didn't want to exploit their crimes. We didn't want to, you know, kind of be this, you know, crime of the week, you know, this sort of like a prisoner's doing good. It's just like it didn't, it didn't feel right. It was kind of like we wanted to show these guys who happen to be actors who like or actors who happen to be in prison, you know, or um, or men, men. Uh, let me let me let me go back a little bit. But it was sort of like we wanted to um, uh, let these guys talk about their crimes in their own words, in their own right. time. That was like the, it's that not was without the, its complexities. I mean, it's it's because it, you don't want to gloss over the fact that they no, have no. committed crimes, but they are paying for their crime. They're in prison, and absolutely, so it's, and so it's definitely yeah. complex. But As I think result, to let them speak for themselves is for sure. We I didn't when we were watching it. I didn't feel like it was exploitive or judgmental. I find that's nearly good. an impossible task to achieve on a yeah. film like this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was the thing is we never asked them. I mean, they, they, you know, and a couple guys, some guys didn't even tell us and we didn't, you know, we didn't Fair know, enough. we didn't really, you know, and we, you know, you can find out what they did. I mean, it's public record, whatever, but we were really interested in that. We were more interested in, in the, their process and then being an actor and really how it was affecting them and how they, you know, the, their, the, you know, all the different benefits of being a part of the group and, you know, improving, you know, reading skills and social skills and, and, you know, putting on something. I mean, one of the things I love to say is that, you know, if you watch the film, if you remember Leonard, you know, um, I mean, you know, this is a medium security prison, but there, there is a, there's a hole. There is, there is maximum security. Mm -hmm. There is a, there is a segregated hole where if, if guys do something and they screw up, they end up in a a solitary confinement. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Leonard is one of the characters in the film and we went to see him and there was, you know, there's still, still even a, a sort of cloudy details about why he ended up being there. But, uh, um, he, in his interview says, you know, I, and I think this is a sentiment of, of, uh, of a lot of the guys he was able to articulate it. He said, I just don't want to be remembered for the worst thing I ever did in my life. And I think we all like, you know, kind of g- gasped at that moment because it's like, that's, that's like, I think what Shakespeare allows the guys to do is like kind of redefine themselves. I mean, society sees them as prisoners, but the Shakespeare program allowed them to be actors. And so it gave them a different identity to focus on. And and I think, again, Leonard saying, I don't want to be remembered for the worst thing I ever did in my life. It's like, ah, okay, so you're trying to redeem yourself in some way. And, and however society wants to sort of allow you to do that, it's, it's sort of secondary to what you're doing for yourself. And so I think Shakespeare allowed them to kind of see themselves as, as something other than a prisoner, which is, which is pretty remarkable. So, um, you know, and going in with my own preconceived notions of, of what a prisoner is like coming out, I was like, you know, these guys are amazing. You know, I mean, yes, they did, you know, some seriously horrible crimes, but most of the guys, 90% of them that I met and talked to and really, you know, we were locked out, in, you know, locked in a number of times, maybe five or six times locked in for count. And we would not want to shoot or we were done or there's no wasn't enough light or we were out of batteries or out of tape or whatever. And we would just sit and shoot the shit with the guys. And at one point, I remember, you know, playing dominoes with one of the guys. And he was just, you know, like my older brother or something, you know. Wow. And, and um, you know, it really was like, and actually one of the guys got out on parole. Sammy's out on parole. Um, and he's a car salesman. I don't know where, maybe somewhere in Kansas. And we're Facebook friends. <laughs> so, you know, and um, at first I was like, I don't know if I want to be Facebook friends with Sammy. But then I'm like, well, this is, he's Sammy. I know him. And I, you know, he's doing good. He's doing great. He has a job and a girlfriend. And you know, is doing really well. And, and, um, you know, these guys are, uh, you know, it was pretty remarkable personal experience for me too. I think one of the things I really enjoy about Shakespeare Vine Bars is really was kind of a transformative experience for me in, in, in the way that I, I view my job as a, as a, uh, as a cinematographer, because there were so many times when I really was connected with the character and I think because I was connected with character and because there was so much trust between the guys and us, that re- that is reflected on screen. And that is what I, tr- I strive for is that trust and that authenticity well, and that, you're, that intimacy. You're yeah. the one that has, the, like, for lack of a better word, like, you know, words, you have the, you're the one that has the camera in their face. Like, right. you know, and that is a very, in- can be a very intrusive tool. And, but it's fundamental to shoot a film. And so that you know you're i think you're like the bridge to the rest of the the crew and the rest of the entire project 
of the meeting of the two sides of like right. extending your hand first and that like is you know well, the camera we we cannot more highly recommend this film to mm. i mean i'll Thank i'm not you. speak for both yeah. back yeah. myself i can't more highly recommend it shakes her behind bars and i i watch it on prime did you guys you guys also yep. watch yep. it on prime yep. Yep. it's totally yep. available if you have a prime membership yeah, if and you don't so uh, if you're not careful great. you could accidentally there's a lot of stuff about shakespeare on prime oh yeah you could accidentally <laughs> click on macbeth which w- i like did a very old production of macbeth <laughs> and start watching that and be like well this is not where i thought this film was going <laughs> <laughs> i definitely did that last night on the wrong <laughs> um, just behind the bars. Yeah. So, yeah. 2005. To yeah. to switch gears for for the like, ha- let's have like one fun little hit of our favorite game, Byron Meh. And, and let's be clear, with- Becky's doing this just because she knows that like my brain. This is already the smartest conversation I've had all year. Yeah, so we need to bring it down a notch for shy um, and <laughs> play what, a game. That's why I invented the term <laughs> "dumb it down." Enjoy. Maybe you should bring his four person sweater out, and he'll feel a little more comfortable. <laughs> there later. we go. Just. Wrap it around himself a few like times. Like a thunder shirt, you know, that's yeah. your like. <laughs> yeah, like... So, um, <laughs> so for, for in, in honor of Shauna being here, we're going to do a, a round of Byron Mint about documentaries, but because Shy can't really handle that, we're actually going to do it about mockumentaries. So, uh, gang. Shy just thinks they're documentaries. Shy <laughs> thinks they're documentaries. I think these are all true stories. Um, Byron Mint, this is Spinal Tap, Best in Show, and Borat. All right, should we all should we all should we all take? Uh, let me go first because okay. I have strong feelings. So I have to, I have to. Well, I buy Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is a form of experience. I remember renting it and watching it with Howie after school. Howie's my musical life partner, and he had already seen it. But I remember getting it and us watching it and then watching it over and over and over and over and over again. One of my all-time favorite movies. I'll rent Best in Show. It is not my favorite of the C- Christopher Guest oeuvre. My, that mine will probably be Mighty Wind for me because I, I like the musical pieces. And then I'm going to meh Borat. Borat as a character on Sasha Baron Cohen's first HBO show was meaningful to me. And I think it has a couple of very funny bits in that movie. But to me, the, 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 there are elements of that movie that are just too much and too over the top although i i do like some of the satire elements and some of the hypocrisy he points out but there's a lot of that movie that is just far beyond what i i would find i find funny <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give it a meh although i recognize there are some elements in there that people really like and I'm, i hope i'm not offending anyone's sensibilities there nope well yeah. shauna um, uh, i'll go ahead Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, buy, buy, buy Spinal Tap. Like, buy it. Like, it. it like, <laughs> like go that, buy it right now. It's absolutely my favorite. Like, I mean, I quote it all the time too. Sometimes, if I have my camera, I was on a shoot the other day where we were in kind of a shooting a, a concert environment, and I'm literally like, we got lost, and I had my camera on my shoulder, <laughs> and I was yes. like, "Hello, Cleveland," you know, and nobody. <laughs> And honestly, there was like one guy, older guy, and the like. There was a sound guy. Who was like, oh, yeah, that's Spinal Tap. And I was like, you know, and, and often people don't get what I'm doing, but I just do it because it makes me laugh. But that movie literally is is also was shot by a guy named Peter Smokler, who was actually a real documentary cinematographer. And he told me, coincidentally, he actually shot and was um, the DP on the first season of Parks and Rec. This is going full circle, people. Full circle. And proving you know everyone. (laughs) Yes, everyone. But but on a side note, uh, Peter Smokler, uh, DP on Spinal Tap, DP and operator, said basically it's about 30% scripted, 60, the rest, you know, 70% here, I'm doing math. uh, (laughs) A third scripted. Like that math seems right. Two thirds uh, uh, improv, like completely just unscripted, oh. and they needed a documentary cinematographer to kind of to kind of go with it and to, to play the jazz, to play the jazz, exactly. yeah. kind of like to be the jazz guy. So that, to me, as a documentary cinematographer, is like was amazing because it's you know using the doc form to tell the sort of like loosely scripted story. Absolutely buy, love Spinal Tap, best in show. I love too. I would totally buy it. I love that film. There's so many amazing characters. It's a double buy. buy. You're playing by Lily's buy. rules right now. You're not playing by Shy's rules. You're, we didn't really explain the game properly. Oh, oh, I have to do. Oh, I have to do one of yes. either or. <laughs> but either. I often buy a but, lot but, of things. But you're as the guest; you get to do whatever you want. And I but buy I, most, I, even though they don't let me. I like to buy many things. So okay. go ahead. Go ahead. 
I um then I would rent the best in show certainly and then definitely met on Borat Borat you know I I agree with you that the character uh that he inhabits is is fantastic um the the predicaments and the kind of uh using unwitting and completely innocent um real genuine kind people to um for his comic effect sometimes really rub me the wrong way um because i feel like i'm with you on that yeah so that that's and if if there was a category below math i would (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe that's i like that buy rent man or bless (laughs) all right it has been done let me let me put one caveat like it actually was shot really well in terms of like you know the, the the cinematography like so, it felt like a documentary. So it was real, but certainly his, you know, the shtick was was uh, was. It could have been a short. It could have been like an SNL little skit, and then that would be it. Yeah, but anyway, exactly. It was right. great in small bites on his show. Well, it was a two-hour movie. It was like, oh. I agree with both of you, so I don't need to go because I think you both are correct, Lily. I just <laughs> feel like we need to just give a little bit more shout out to Best in Show. Like I, I, oh. if I, I would do the same order. But so, you like dogs, and we had puppies on in the pre-show. I, I know, and I just want to say that, like, I, of course, this is Final Tap is just the number one, and, like, you have to buy that, but Best in Show is also so good, and I just, I love that movie, and I will say that this is Battle Tap. I saw it probably when I was really young, and I definitely thought it was completely real. Like, <laughs> no joke. Because you I just, as an older brother, out. I don't yeah. know if you have siblings, but as an older brother, like, the amount of stuff they watched before, our parents already let us watch whatever we wanted, and but then, the amount of stuff yeah, they absorbed be- it, I when I was 13. A, yeah, and knowing, like, getting in on the joke, and I would have been 10, <laughs> and just definitely 100%, and I did not realize it wasn't real till college, <laughs> when I saw it at somebody else's, like, an apartment in, in college. I think I was with you. And yeah, it. and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me love There's it even more. <laughs> um so gang, what's uh as before we before we say goodbye and do our shout outs, what's uh what's everyone watching? Do we have any good I, recommendations? I, I am watching and I want to give a shout out to Susan Layton, Susan on the Ledge of fourteen twenty eight Elm, who recommended to me many times and I finally got around to watching it. Eli Roth's I guess it's documentary or his series on AMC History of Horror is fantastic. He does a great job interviewing. I guess he's interviewing the subjects. You guys, I'm using these terms as if you guys know, as if I know what they are. But they've got all the actors who are in the the, the movies like Robert Unglund and Bruce Campbell, as well as other directors like Quentin Tarantino and Jordan Peele. And they not only talk about the history of the movies, but the the cultural significance and the time frame that all of these movies and television shows took place. And it's totally sucks you in right away. It's fantastic. Mm. Highly recommend it. And if you have AMC on your cable, you can stream the whole thing for you can watch the whole thing on demand for free. So Um, that one is a huge buy. Lily. Uh, last night we went to go see Widows. This is a Steve McQueen movie. Wait, you went to the movies? Why didn't you go see? Wait, I'm like I'm I'm like upset. Why didn't you go see Spider Man? Because we were trying to I'm like, figure out how to go I'm, with the girls, with Shai's girls, with the kids, so they couldn't go last night because it was very are late. Are you gonna go? We're gonna. I'm work getting it out. very anxious that it. you're not we're gonna, gonna see it before we all hang it. out. We're gonna. We're, work I'm on going it. to see it, Becky. Believe me, we're I'm not the one holding okay. us back here. I just we're got gonna, really upset. We're gonna work on it. Um, okay, so you saw Widows. You liked it, great. Yeah, wasn't Spider Man. All right. Um, it was fantastic. It was it was great, and I have to say the cinematography is definitely something I was thinking about during the movie, knowing mm. we were going to talk to you. But also, um, to me, it's very like noticeable. The style is not um, a lot of a lot of shots are just like off uh, centered, um, and I think it adds a lot to the film. Like a lot of times, cool. very important conversations are happening, but you're seeing. You're just kind of not seeing the faces. You're getting like a bit of an off-centered uh, shot, but the, what you are seeing adds to the conversation and adds mm. to the to the moment. It, there's a few moments where like it was just a bit too obvious that Shy and I were both like, "Yeah, okay, that's hokey." Because but that wasn't the cinematography. That was the that's there were other choices in the film. There were other yeah, there were other choices that you know what the composition of a shot is was a, a maybe a bit much, but um, a bit too stylistic. But other than that, you know. 
I thought it was very cool because that added to the story and it was just a cool movie. And in the movie, I would say Viola Davis can hang. I want to see her and Linda Hamilton fight Terminators together because (laughs) she's a great idea. Not only is she jacked in the movie and so physically strong, although she doesn't use the physical strength at all. Like it's like every muscle in her face and body is acting in every scene. And it's amazing. There's a lot of subtleties. I think he did a great job. Uh, directing, obviously, like the actors, because the and the actors are great, but they still have to have good direction. And there's a lot of subtleties that you see. The dialogue is maybe not the best, but the rest of the movie compensates. Uh, but there was right. amazing acting performances across the board. But I would like to give a specific shout out to the arroz con pollo that is in the scene, and when Michelle Rodriguez is <laughs> having dinner, and I was like. I want to eat that right now. It looks like mom's roast and pollo. It's just like in the bottom left of the corner, but I was like... Like a puppy. He's very food motivated. Right? Um, Um, Full circle. I like that. Yeah. Shauna, what about you? Have you watched anything good recently? Um, I'm just recently discovering this film and TV, right? Yeah, Yeah, anything. I, for some reason, am just getting into The Crown. Like, I don't know. Have you guys seen The Crown? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't seen it before, but I am obsessed with The Crown. Really? I don't know why. Well, I haven't seen it, but I am in love with Claire Foy, and so I will watch it because so she's good in that. Um, and I'm just, I just found out there was a season two, and I'm like, Ugh. so um, <laughs> downloading, you know, download for on uh, Netflix, so I watch it on the plane. It's like my, it's my, it's my, it's my. Uh, I don't. Uh, so uh, marvelous, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, so uh, I. I don't know. I'm I'm like months months behind everybody else, but uh, but yeah, I, I find that sometimes if I'm shooting a lot, I don't end up either having time nor wanting to watch anything. So sometimes, uh, like documentary wise, um, uh, uh, that said, I I as a member of, of the I don't uh, as a member of the Academy, I have to I have to watch you know 200 plus documentaries every year. Um, so sometimes my escape is in like this sort of descriptive dramas that are like a little bit of period and a little bit of, uh, in the crown in particular, is just like an escapist kind of thing, but I, I love it. What about you? Sounds, yeah. Oh, uh, me. Oh, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I saw Spider-Man in enter the, sp- into, the into the Spider-Verse, into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man? whatever oh, is it. So it I can't, there's not it. enough time for me to talk about it. I'm going to be talking about it on several episodes. So we'll do it. A, we'll do a Spider-Verse episode. It is so incredible. The animation is on another level. It's I've never seen this kind of animation before. The story is fantastic. It's charming. It has it has everything, but really truly the animation like will blow your face off. It's so good. It's it's entirely different from any animated film you've ever seen. That's all I can tell you um, about it right now. And where can people follow you? You can follow me at pancake for table on Twitter and Instagram and uh, All Star Comic Con. We're coming June seventh, eighth, and ninth. It's going to be amazing. Yep. <laughs> Stop soon. inflating our appearance. Um, you can follow me, Chichi K Gomez, on Twitter. And Shauna, do you want to shout out to anyone? Uh, shout out to anyone. Zuzu and Violet, who are in the other room, I can hear them whining a little bit. Those are our new puppies, but. I know it's um, and Peter for taking care of them. So that's yeah. my shout out. <laughs> um, and do you want people to follow you in the um, social? com. That's S-H-A-N-A-H-A-G-A-N.com. Uh, that's it. Right on. And um, a quick shout out to my brother, Shy, for making me a pretty awesome T-shirt uh, for my birthday that says. Curse your broad shoulders it's a riverdale reference if you don't get it then you don't get me um love you shy thank you for the awesome t-shirt and you can follow me at paper bk princess on twitter we will see you at the all-star comic-con june 7th 8th 9th um all right gang bye dance bye. Oh, we gotta dance oh then we play like outro music which you don't hear now shauna but in the edited final it will be there because shy can't figure out how to play music for us while we're on skype so just dance Dance, dance, dance. Use your phone and like put it on the. Yeah, I know. It's there's so many ways. Recorded. All right. Okay. Bye. Uh,